I cannot always predict what the Lord has designed, but I do trust that whatever he gives, it's appropriate for the moment and for all the people. Here's the beauty of the broken bread that Jesus fed 5,000 with a few loaves. The same design nourished the individual need of every person. Thus, the Word of God does the same. John chapter 5 and verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. This is customary. There are three pivotal feasts in Jerusalem in the day. Uh, Pesach, Passover, Pentecost, Sukkot, the festival of the booth. Now, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Just pause, just you know. The pools that were by the temple and in the market were, were often ceremonial pools, where a sheep would be dipped um, as a cleansing. We're, we're not sure that these particular pools were made for this purpose, but it's very likely that they were ritual bathings so that when a, a sheep, a lamb was presented, that it would be clean uh, as it was being brought for the sacrifice. But in these porches lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind halt withered, waiting for the move of the water. There's a reason why those folks were there in that particular porch. Here's the reason. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the trouble of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. Jesus saw him lie there. He knew he had been there for a long time in that case. Now, we don't know if that's intuitiveness. We can see that people may have been in a low place for a long time or perhaps divinely, a divine knowledge. But he saw them. He knew, he knew he was there for a long time in that particular case. And the Lord asked him this question. Wilt thou be made whole? Or would you like to be healed? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. While I'm coming, someone else gets in before me. I preach today. I have no man. And everyone said, in Jesus' name. God bless you. Please be seated. And when you are seated, I just want you to call out on the Lord. Speak his name. Close your eyes when you're seated. In Jesus' name. Someone ask him to be here. 
in a rich and divine way. Be here, Lord. Oh, God of heaven and earth, be here with us, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Savior. Amen. I suppose that in another era, the pulpit would have no need to make such qualifications about gender as we do today. A a man and a woman were always considered as a singular entity, uh, simply man or mankind. Both male and female were unique among creation. It was mankind or the kind of creation. Now, we used to understand this as a commonality. It's very obscure today, even among Christianity. Words have been changed into multiple meanings that deviate from their original source. The etymology of such terms have been disregarded. In particular, we once understood the word amen. The root pronunciation is very simple. It was a reply of the people. For instance, when they heard the spoken word of Moses, and they heard him speak or preach, teach, it went something like this, A-M-N, Amn. Amn. The people would answer and reply, Amn. It is the Semitic root. The word amen became um, and then amen, amen. And then from Hebrew to Greek to Latin, it was always pronounced in a similar fashion. Even sometimes the word was pronounced amen. Amen. I, I would prefer that you would stay with amen. But... but. You might want to be creative from time to time. <laughs> However, when, when a Kansas City congressman took to the podium to pray over the 117th Congress, and he, and he concluded his prayer, he was so concerned with the sound of the word amen, he ended his prayer by saying, amen and a woman. What? What what'd you say? Some have a very loose association with the English language. This word has nothing to do with men or man. It is not a word reflective of any specific gender quality. When I preach today, I mean... To preach, I have no man, meaning any person, living or not, I have no man. I don't preach today to disturb you or distract you or dissuade you from getting married if you are a single lady and you desire 
to have a man. It has been said that women can live without men. Men can't live without women. It's, it seems to be true. I wouldn't know. The intent, however, of the word is reliance. It entails reliance. It is that ever-present dependence which has the ability to encourage and also can render weakness dependence. When you're in need, having someone to depend upon is wonderful. In fact, in some ways, it's critical. The widow woman in Acts, and I'm sorry, in Second Kings chapter 4, she was very fearful because the Bible says the bondmen were coming to arrest her two sons. Debt swallowed her. The payment was that of servitude of her sons. Years of work lay ahead of them. Their lives would forever be altered. When you were in debt and you could not pay and you had no land, no property, no assets, then you worked off the debt. If you could not work it, then you were imprisoned or your children were brought into servitude. And the prophet Elisha found her in this state. He inquired of her and her reply was simply this, thy servant, my husband is dead. I have no help. I have no man. And she looks at her limitations, the reality of it, the creditors, her lack of substance. She is enveloped in what she does not have and her limitations. And those men that are coming, it's according to the law of the land. But what she does not see, what she did not recognize was the word of God that stood before her. The Lord moved on me this morning just to say these words to some of you, to all of you perhaps. We walk by faith, ladies and gentlemen, and not by sight. Don't put that as a trite statement or some elementary statement. You walk by faith and not by sight because the moment that you decide to walk by sight... You're going to see a lot of your flaws and your limitations and your lack of resources. And you're going to see all the grime and the junk. And you're going to see giants in the land. And you're going to see emptiness. That's why you've got to say, no matter what I see in front of me, I'm not walking by what I see in front of me. I'm, I'm walking by what I know is true of God. I want to say this to you. God is never going to leave you empty. I wrote this and I was almost about to erase it and the Lord just prodded me and he just said, just speak the words. Just let the words come into the ears of the hearer. There'll be seeds planted. Some will reject them, but they're going to grow up. So here's, here's my word to someone here. All you ever needed is found in Jesus. There's never going to be a need greater than Jesus. Whatever lack that you have is found in Jesus. Whatever emptiness you have, your fulfillment is found in the Lord. I want this in your mind. Jesus is the answer for every problem and every dilemma that you'll ever face in your life. He's the answer for every question that you've ever had. 
There's not a question or a dilemma or a problem that Jesus cannot solve. He knows everything about your life. He's the answer for everything. Think for a moment, John chapter 5, a swirling water in a distinct pool. It's a common season, they said. Yet a stark reminder of the myriad of blessings that God gave to his people in In between the Old Testament and the New Testament is a time of great silence. 400 years of silence, but God always leaves himself a witness, ladies and gentlemen. And this pool, at this time, the troubling or stirring water was a reminder of the power of the omniscient God. An angel came down at the appointed season to stir the waters. The years of silence and then yet a singular pool evidence that God did not and will not forget them. He always leaves himself a witness. Scroll back into the Old Testament. The Bible says in 1 Samuel that in the days of Eli, the high priest, that the word of the Lord was rare, precious, rare, not often. And I quote, there was no open vision. It was a wayward priest and a corrupt society and a temple that had been stained A silent heaven, and yet a young Samuel was waiting in the wings. Samuel was hearing the voice of the I am speak. Because God never leaves himself without a witness. Even in the darkest of times when you do not not think that God hears you, and you cannot find him, you cannot see him or feel him, even when the world becomes stained by the plight of flesh, God never leaves himself without a witness. Something or someone is there to remind you that his mercy never fails, that he hasn't given up on you, that even if it's silent in the world, the Lord has left himself a stirring water. Bethesda, is a pool like none other, perhaps in the off-season, <laughs> plain water, a mundane, often used pool. We're given the time associated with a feast, which simply means that on any other day, it was just another body of water. The angel's presence, however, was the height of their expectations, whether visible or not, the moving water turning and tumbling like a pot of boiling water, all the troubling It was all they ever needed to see the troubling water. The wait had come, and the first inside was healed. Some angel commissioned by the voice of God. He's in a state of peril, sitting alone, watching the others move quickly into the troubled waters. He's helpless and slow and all together by himself. He says, I have no man. The Son of God is standing before him. The Lord of the Sabbath is asking, do you want to be made whole? And he cannot hear it. In fact, His infirmity makes him look past the healer. He's looking at other people with all their connections and all of their friends and family and all their resources and all their help and all their strength. And he says, I I don't have anybody. Dependence has become the issue. His lack is blinding him from the incarnate word that stands there. The word made flesh is asking him, do you want me to heal you? Do you want to be healed? He says, "I I I don't have the means. And I stand to say before all of you, that was probably the best thing that could ever happen to him. That you had no body. It was the best moment of your life. I know I'm not supposed to talk about my daughter, but I'm going to do it anyway. And McKenna. Alexandra and McKenna, little girls playing in the bedroom. We could hear them. I don't know what they were doing, but they were playing. They were just little girls. And McKenna told Alexandra, Allie, you know what we're going to do when we grow up? 
Allie said, what are we going to do? McKenna said, we're going to go to college. And we're going to get a good job because we don't need no man. counterintuitive what I'm preaching today. That you be faithful to church. You need to be faithful to church. Hear the word. But you ought to be very careful because your faith has to be in God alone. Oh. We look at our limitations. We see our lacking, which is, of course, the exact place where God wants to bless us, his greatest blessings come in our weakest moment. In fact, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. He's always been great. God's always been great. He didn't change because you just found him or something good happened to you. He's been great before you knew him. He's always been a wonderful God. He is a great, wonderful God. But until we need him and we have no man, we won't know how wonderful he really is. But oh, what God can do. When we have no body, no help, let me just say, voices are wonderful if they follow the plan of God, but only if they follow the plan of God. It's good if you have a voice in your life from a friend or a family or a pastor or a teacher, but only if they follow the word of God. In fact, they have to be the echo of the Lord and not the origin of the word. Oh, just a little biology for everyone and we'll just do a, a little adult class here. Not much. My mother called the knowledge that of the birds and the bees. She was concerned with me and Scott, not knowing if we knew anything. And I don't know what she was reading, but she yelled at my father and said, Bill, have you talked to your sons? And uh, Dad called us into the room and said, do you guys know about the birds and the bees? I had no idea what he was talking about. Scott said yes, and I just looked at him. And if Scott knew, then, then I knew too. <laughs> Whatever Scotty knew, I knew. He, eventually he came come around to tell me. I said, of course, we know, Dad. I have no idea what they were talking about. He said, that's great. I'm glad we had this talk. Now get out of here. (laughs) Just think for a moment, just a moment, about the point of conception. It's an old assumption made by the earliest biblical scholar. They wrote hundreds of years ago that when the angel of the Lord spoke to Mary about the coming Christ, that her response to the angel, ultimately became the moment of her conception. The angel said this, Behold, you'll conceive in thy womb, bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he will be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there shall be no end. What did Mary say? She said, How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. The angel said to her, the Holy Ghost is going to do the work. The power of the highest is going to overshadow thee. And Mary replied, 
Be it unto me according to thy word. And the early biblical scholars all say that that was the point of conception when Mary disregarded the natural process of it and left it up to God. And it could be that the Lord wants to birth something in you and create something in you and he's promising you something but you're looking around saying yeah but I'm a nobody and I don't know anybody and I don't have the resources and I don't have the talent when he really wants you to say be it unto me according to your word and the moment that you say that the moment that you recognize it and say it's not about anybody else but Lord if you said it it's good enough for me I don't need a man I need you Lord you're the answer to everything it takes it, it takes faith and stepping out to see the Lord standing before you our infirmities our failings life's lows disappointments the conflicts which often bind our minds like a tangled web they block the view of the Lord's offer he asked do you want to be made whole do you want your healing do you want to be delivered from the thing that haunts your memory and the wounds of your spirit how many years are you going to sit there and riff in pain do you want to be made right and new again and we're looking past him and we're seeing the blessings of other people and our reply is afflicted by our own making and we say well I don't have it I could if someone would help me I, I could be better if somebody would help me a little bit I, I'd be right if I had the right person in my life look at all those other people they, they have connections and resources and they got, they got functional families and they got friends and I've got nobody the man, the person man or woman Somebody to rely upon. That's what we're looking for. All the while neg neglecting the very God that stands before us. The very God that stands before us. That was the answer from the crippled man. The infirmity was a way of clouding his vision. And he forgot and did not know perhaps who was asking him. If you knew, Jesus said to the woman at the well, who's asking of you? You'd ask him. If you knew that the Lord is standing here today saying, what are your needs? And your reply is, well, you know, everybody else has their needs fulfilled. And he's standing here saying, listen, I want to I supply all your needs according to my riches. I wish it was just our reliance for help from the human hand that caused us such confusion. But there is another problem. You see, the man can be a crutch. Such is the case with so many people. But he can also be a curse. The corrupted man gets in our way. He leads us from truth. He taunts us with loneliness and abandonment. Instead of Jesus, we're looking for a person. We define God by the person. Careful, ladies and gentlemen. God used men and women throughout the ages. All of them fallible. To speak his infallible word. Go figure that out. Some man or woman. We're asking them to speak to us. We want to hear from them. I don't know if you can grasp this or not. But this has taken almost, almost my entire life to see it. The crutch and the curse. The human hand is nothing more than human philosophy. Some people keep others out of the water. The help is a hindrance. The help becomes the antithesis of its own design. 
Because it relies upon the opinion and the strength of somebody else. All the while, Jesus is standing there with the answer. He is the answer for your life. I'm weary with the celebrity Christian. I'm done with the celebrity Christian. That person who has all the answers and they're quick to tell you all the answers. And I'm watching this happen throughout the entirety of my life. People rely upon them to speak the word of God instead of them going to God. You said that the veil was rent, but you put the veil back up. You put someone in between you and God. And now instead of going, hold on, instead of going to God, you're going to that person. Instead of going to your knees, you're on the phone, you're texting, asking someone if they have a word for you. God has the word. What are you doing? You just put up another veil and you can't even get into the holy place. And now your faith is contingent upon the integrity of the person. There are people in this house today that if the right person backslid, you would never come back here again. If the right person fell from grace, you would shake your head and say, it must all be false. Uh Uh-oh. You just built a temple and you hung your own veil and it was the person you thought that was so great. You see... The person who has all the answers and all the things and quick to tell you there are a thousand backsliders today that are ruined because they thought that the man had the answer. Now make no mistake, are you with me here? Whew, I'm feeling a burning of the Holy Ghost in my belly. God uses people to do his work, but the person is never greater than the voice. And the And the person and the man has an expiration date. He will expire. Nobody was greater than John the Baptist, but when it was time for him to be dead and gone, the Lord put him in the prison so his head could be cut off. And he was a young man. He was only 30, maybe 31 years old. That's it. He had a lot of life in front of him. But the Lord said, I'm going to use you for a moment and then you're done. And if your faith was contingent upon John the Baptist, who was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, he was the one who was powerful. He had no vested interest in the people. He was a prophet. If he was the one upon whom you cast your faith, then you would have been devastated. You would have been lost. Uh Uh-huh. Thousands of people that are backslidden today because somebody in the church they loved is now gone. And they said, well, you know what? It must not be true. As if their integrity and their lifestyle matched up to this word. No one's bigger than this word. Nobody's bigger than this word. No one is greater than this word. I got some sad news for all of you people that have been hanging veils in your temple. That person that you've been relying upon, they're going to fail you somehow. They're going to disappoint you somehow. And you're not going to know how to get to God because they've been blocking the way all the time. Because we look at the person and not the Savior. I'll say it, but you may stumble by it. You, you may be looking for direction from the wrong source. <laughs> the crutch and the curse. See, for a long time, 
we've been waiting on the commentary of a person before we move. And if they offer a bad report, we stay frozen in our place. If they offer a good report, then we have faith. Hey, they encourage me. I've watched people leave the truth and the church because they listen to other people. Let me, let me ask you, what if someone had a bad experience in the church? Many have. What if I offend them? I'm an equal opportunity offender. I don't mean to, but sometimes it happens. What if they get out of sorts? They're not going to tell you the whole story. Come on, you know, no one ever says, you know, I was a horrible person. It was all my fault. No, 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 no. They want to share all of that with everybody. Just enough to lead you away. It happens every day in every place. Why? Because they're relying upon the word of a man. Amen and a woman. <laughs> My first youth pastor who prayed me, prayed with me when I received the Holy Ghost had an affair. And he left the church. And he divorced his wife. My first, one of my first Bible quizzing coaches, he backslid and he left the truth because he got disjointed when his father died without being saved. He didn't want to face that there was an eternity waiting for his father of unsa- unsavory terms. One of the great leaders of my time as a young person, he was a national leader, he was a renowned preacher. He's gone today, caught in a snare. I'll never forget the day that I found out. I was devastated, but I prayed. And I had, a, I, I, I had a friend who was wise and said, just keep your eyes on Jesus. My father's very good friend. We loved him. He lost his way. My dad went to encourage him at his house on several occasions. It was devastating. The man turned back to alcohol. The profound ministry that, has had, that he had was lost. Many people followed him. Loved him. Loved his ministry. There's so many more. All of them and more. I had to train my eyes and conduct my heart. I had to guard myself so I wasn't cynical or critical or skeptical and still hear the voice of God. I don't expect you all to get it right now because it takes development of depth not to be discouraged. Still hear the word of God but never be discouraged because you have... Your dependence is not upon me or upon the platform or upon the person next to you or upon your husband or your wife or your children. Your dependence is upon God. You've got to hold to God's unchanging hand that will never fail you and never leave you and never forsake you. And it's okay if you rise up and say, I have no man and I have no resources, but I do have Jesus. I'm kind of empty inside, but I do have Jesus. You've got to have Jesus. I'm not interested. Oh, I'm not interested in you and being, in you being popular here at New Life. Popular? Who cares if you're popular? In fact, everybody may love you. I hope they do. I hope you, you, you draw people. I hope you wear the right kind of cologne, brush your teeth, look nice, have a little substance, nice things to say. I hope people like you. But if Jesus doesn't approve of you, it doesn't matter how many people approve of you. They can all pat you on the back and say, you're a great person, man. You're a great Christian. Look, you even have a cross on your lapel. and You're wearing a cross on your neck. And, and man, you've got, a big, you've got a big five-pound Bible. Actually, that might help you. 
I want some people to start carrying around the family Bibles here at church. I do. But if you don't have Jesus, wait a second, what? You have, you, you, you have religion, but you have no submission. You have the concept of him, but you don't have the revelation of him. Did you create a God that doesn't exist so he appeases your flesh and your own mind and your own spirit, but you don't have any obedience to the word? See, this is him. You can't separate him from this. It may be the very best thing that ever happened to you the day that you said, I, I don't, my resource is gone. It, it may very well be that until you reach that point that you never really seek for God because his plan is often clouded through the interpretation of someone else. And he'll often lead you to a place where only he can help you. Because when you're waiting on the flesh, as good as they may be, you're always subject to their flaws. God wants to heal you and deliver you and help you. But he's got to take some things out from you so he can insert himself into you. Because he's designed himself that there's no room for him and them. Oh my. How are we doing? I, I got, I, it's, like a, it's like a furnace just exploded in my belly coming up through my chest. I feel a power in the Holy Ghost. I want Jesus to be on that corner and that corner. I want him to be here and there and everywhere. I want you to be seeking for him and looking for him. If your best friend fails the Lord, I want you to say it don't matter. I'm still coming to church because I love the Lord. I'm there to see him. I'm there to worship him. I didn't come here for anybody else. I came here for the Lord. I didn't come here so you can love, so you can help me. I came to the Lord so the Lord can help me. Yes, 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 yes. Here's your Bible. Gideon defeated an entire army without ever raising his sword. How do you fight a battle without fighting the battle? 32,000 men, basically all of them, left. 300 people remained. God removed the hand of flesh because the worst thing that could ever happen was forgetting to think that he had something to do with the victory. God's not going to tolerate that. He's going to give you a victory, but he won't give you the victory if you had something to do with it. You've got to say, well, we didn't have anybody. I don't know how we did it, but, we, but, we, but, but it happened. What well, was it? It had to be God. If it, if it had to be God, then that means it's going to happen to you. But if, it, if it's dependent upon you... I'm not talking about gender today. I'm not talking about relying upon a, a, a male. I'm talking about relying upon people. I'm talking about being inhibited by people because you're waiting on them to decide what your commitment will be. There are people who have left the church all around America. And their full-time job is to discourage you from being active in the church. Because many things. Because they're bitter. Because they, you remind them of their past commitment. Because they got their eyes off of the Lord and got their eyes on people. The Bible says Amnon had a friend, Amnon, the son of David. But the friend led him down a dark path. He had a friend who helped to destroy him. Look it up in 2 Samuel 13. The first five words that ended his whole life. It was abuse, molestation, death, horrible things. But Amnon had a friend. 
Maybe your friend's name should be Jesus. Maybe the place where you find him is at an altar in your living room. By your bedside. Your favorite chair in the prayer room at this altar. And speak to Jesus. In fact, before you talk to anybody, you ought to be talking to Jesus. In fact, if you talk to Jesus, you probably won't have to talk to anybody. But the problem is, we keep talking to everybody and looking at everybody else. Your commitment to God is not contingent upon their commitment. They might be stagnant. (laughs) He would have been better off if he had no men. You see, a friend tells you what pleases you. But there's a dark side. A friend can tell you what pleases them. Read the account of Rehoboam. I'll summarize it for you. He was given a portion of the kingdom. His leadership now is on the line. His advisors, his own advisors, will vex his soul. They'll wreak havoc because they appeal to his pride. Because the voice of other people appeal to their pride or to yours. Here's 1 Kings 12. He consulted with the young men that had grown up with him. Let me just tell you, your peer group rarely has the answer. (laughs) He was led away. You see, the help of human philosophy is going to keep you bound for a long, long time. Maybe, ladies and gentlemen, it's better if you have no person. What about the Lord? The word of the Lord. What about the voice of the master? When are you going to get back to Jesus? Just Jesus. People come to church because of people and they leave for the same reason. Some are helpful and others are hateful. But I did not come here or stay here because of someone else. And when I saw many people over the course of my lifetime leave the truth, I was not hindered by them because I knew it was still all about the Lord. It hurt my feelings. It hurt my heart, but it didn't dissuade my faith because I knew that God is still the great God. I knew that the Lord, and I know the Lord is still the answer for everything. I just have to tell you this. He'll never leave you. He's the answer for all of your questions and all your problems. You get your eyes on the Lord, and you'll always be steady. I need something in my life. You need something in your life. And it may be contingent upon your reply to God. I want to give you something today. I want to do something in you today. Now I know it's impossible. I know in the rational thinking, it can never be accomplished. It's going to defy the laws of nature. It's going to defy the laws of humanity. The laws that he put into place. Here's the Lord. I put some constructs, some boundaries, limitations. In fact, the Lord set up the entire construct of birth, of conception. But now Jesus comes to say, through the voice of the angel, that angelic voice, you're going to have a child. You're going to be overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. Something's going to happen to you that defies the very laws that the Lord put into place. And now you have the choice in your reply. Your reply 
can be, I don't know if that's possible. You can laugh like Sarah laughed. Oh, that, that'll never happen. It's beyond me. I'm old. I can't have a baby. I'm old. I, I, I'm not trying to start here something here. I'm just letting you know that even if you think you're too old and you're past your childbirth years, if the Lord wants you to have a baby, he'll, he'll give you a baby. And a couple ladies just whispered, I don't need no man. <laughs> Your reply is not just your words. Because I can have you reply, and we will be done to me. I can have you reply the right words. It's your life. It's the way you live. Your reply happens every day. It happens right now. It's happening right now. You reply that God is good and his mercy forever and his grace never fails and his power is new and his grace is new and his faithfulness is new and the joy of the Lord is my strength the reply is always where we are I'm replying by the way I'm living I know you can do it Lord I have faith that you can do it Lord so be it unto me today and on tomorrow and on Wednesday and on next Friday and next month and at the beginning of the year be it unto me I reply Lord I don't need anybody but you I rely upon you, Lord. You are the great God. Here's the verse of your existence. It's Luke chapter 1, verse 38. You've got to get this in your spirit. Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord. You've got to get the first few words. What is it? I present myself. Here I am. I, I talk to couples, and they, they say to me, you know, we're so excited, you know, we're married, it's good. And I always say, when are you going to have a baby? Well, we're, we're thinking about this. And then one of the young men in the church came and said, Pastor, it's so exciting, we're pregnant. We are pregnant. These are appropriate words, I suppose. They're not, not really medically correct, but they're, but they're appropriate words. I don't know, I was snarky one day and I said, but not, not you necessarily, right? Well, my wife is pregnant. Yes, okay. <laughs> we're we're, we're, we're going to have a baby. This is great. I, that's how it happens. But what, what if you just presented yourself? Behold, here I am, Lord. I don't have a friends. I, I, I know you want me to get to this place. I know you're going to bless me, but I don't have any contacts there. I, you said you're going to give me this new job, this new career, this ministry, I, but I don't, ha- I don't have a name. I don't, I don't know anybody. Forget about all of that. If he said I'm going to do something, you say, behold, here I am. It's just me, Lord. That's what he's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to say, here I am. Behold, here's a servant of the Lord. I'm, I'm standing here by myself, Lord. What that means is I don't need anybody. I'm not looking for, I'm not angry with anybody. But I just know if, if you're saying it, Lord, behold, here I am. Be it unto me according to your word, not my resources, not my connections, not my ability, not my dependence. I feel led in the spirit to say this to you. Some of you walked in this house and you are so wounded. You're distraught in your spirit. 
You're watching me today, but you will not step into another church because somebody has failed you. And you're dealing with grief because it's like a death. And the reason why is because you thought you needed them and you put your faith in them and you relied upon them. And they may get back to God and they may repent, but you are still grieving over it. And it's stolen your joy. It stripped your happiness. You used to dance, but you don't dance anymore. You used to pray and shout. You used to dedicate your time to God. You didn't care what they asked you to do. You'd do anything because you love the house and you love the Lord. But now you are wounded because you are looking for that person. And you thought if, if they're okay, then I'm okay. And they are not okay. I stand here today. Mm. Oh, Jesus, help us, Lord. He's standing here today. And the word, the voice of the Lord, it's just going through me like a conduit. It's not even me. It's just flowing through me. The Lord is standing here. I am. I'm ready to deliver you. Wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be cleansed? Do you want to be healed? Now is the time. And the Lord is standing here before you. I'm ready to make you whole. And if you say, I don't have anybody, wait. No, 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 no. Here I am, Lord, behold. Be it unto me according to your word. I don't have the resources. I got a lot of problems. Hear the voice of God. He'll take you out of debt. He'll take you out of trouble. He'll take you out of struggle. He'll heal your body. He'll restore your life. Do you want to be made whole? Be it unto me, Lord, here I am. Stand with me, if you will. Thank you. Lift up your hands right now to the Lord. Ah. 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 I want to I want to say in in closing here today I, I hope you don't take this word as a as a way to escape and not be committed to God or the church. You wouldn't understand the Bible if you did that. And I'm not and I'm not trying to hurt the pulpit or the ministry or the, the position and office of a pastor. At all, I, I think that the Lord has instituted so many wonderful things for our, for our church and for the body of Christ. But I also want to tell you that Paul believed in baptism, but he once said, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. He said, I didn't baptize any, and I'm glad about that. Here's the reason why he was glad, because you would have put your faith in me instead of in Jesus. You weren't baptized in my name. You were baptized in his name. And Paul said, I'm glad I... Paul baptized people. He preached baptism. Go read Romans chapter 6. He said, we're buried with Christ by baptism. But then he tells the people, look, you're relying upon me. I may be your apostle. Your Paul was the apostle. But he knew that if they 
relied upon him, they were in trouble. I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. Some of you were baptized by Apollos, and, but, but that wasn't the person. That the human hand had no intrinsic goodness. It was the word of the Lord, the obedience to the word, and the name above every other name that saved you. I have no man. If you say it today, I have no man, say it like this. I have no one but you, Lord. It's enough for me. Come on, put your eyes on the Lord. Look full in his wonderful face. Right now, lift up your hearts and your hands and your spirit to him. Tell him how much you need him. Say, say this, behold, here I am, Lord. Behold, here I am, Lord. Whatever your word is beat unto me, if I think it's impossible, if it's impossible with men, it's not impossible with you, Lord. The healing of your life is right here. Just say now, behold, I... I stand here, Lord. I'm, I'm here. Yes, right, right, right. Come now, come. Yes, yes. You've been needing to talk to Jesus. You've been trying to talk to other people, but you really been needing to talk to Jesus. You've been waiting to have a meeting with somebody, but you don't need to have that meeting. You need to have a meeting right now with Jesus. He's the only one that can help you and fix you and heal you. Put aside your calendar and say, I got to have Jesus right now. Ah, uh, 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 yes. You ought to cry out to him. This altar is open. You ought to cry out to him. When you're in trouble, he's the answer. He's standing here today. Will, will you be made whole? Do you want to be healed and delivered? Do you want to be healed and delivered? Everybody in this house ought to be calling on the Lord. Wherever you're standing, you ought to be calling on God. You ought to just be saying, I love you, Lord. I worship you, Lord Jesus. I magnify you, Lord. Somebody ought to say, behold, here I am, Lord. Here I am. I'm standing here. Behold, here I am. It's just me, God. Just me. I'm not joining with anybody else. Just you, Lord. Ah. Uh, uh. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes. You're still waiting, but I'm still waiting on you. And I think you need to get out of that area, that pew, that, that seat. I think you need to come to this altar. I'm, I'm, I'm calling for you to come. I want you to come and stand here and say, I need you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus. Come on, present yourself to the Lord. Behold, here I am. I'm your servant, Lord. Here I am. Behold, I present myself to you, Lord. I want to present myself a living sacrifice. I present myself also inept. I present myself undone. In need of you, Lord, I'm dependent upon you, Lord. And you only do I serve, Lord. Yes, yes. 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 Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus.